Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 154 of the Option Podcast. A dude on my right, I don't know if he's on your left, but he's on... No, he's on your right. That's Nolan Albrecht. We're going to find out more about him. Welcome back. The episode starts right now. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Dun, 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 dun. Guess who's back? <laughs> Clean shaven. <laughs> Guess who's back on paperback? I see them in the back. Uh, what's up, man? Dude, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. What's up, people? This is episode 154, along with my man, Nolan Albrecht. I'm Jason DeVeas, and the podcast starts. Well, it already started. So, let's... um. You know, for some reason, because we you've been on the podcast before, I've always associated your face with doing like really good things at Belmont Abbey. Uh, although, you know, I mean that's a main association, but there's you're, you're so much more. You're so many other things, but you're not at Belmont Abbey anymore. No, so uh, yeah, I I went there as an athlete, so I played there for four years. Um, one of them, I was hurt and had a back injury, but, uh, ended up going there right after I graduated to volunteer coach with the women's team. And then I got hired by the women's team to be assistant. And then I became the head coach of the men's team for four years. Um, then last summer, uh, we had, you know, we'd had a really good season. We made, uh, we won the conference championship, played against Penn state in the first round. And then that summer, last summer, 2021, I was like, I think it's time for me to play again. Uh, body was feeling really good. I was doing better in beach tournaments and stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't have a prime forever and I'm about to get into it. And I was like, I want to give this a shot. I never got a chance to play indoor pro. And I was like, I want to try and do as much as I can in the beach and on the grass and just every type of ball you can play in the, in the country. So decided to step away from that. Now I uh, play full time, do lessons, coach a high school team, coach a little bit of club, you know, this and that. Yeah, I mean you're 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 one of the rare people that's um has done volleyball via like ultimate reversal, right? You, you some people, <laughs> you know, they play high school or club or whatever, they play college and then they play professionally and then, you know, they they come come to an age where like those that can't do teach, <laughs> you know. And there are a rare set of cases like you who are still like active players who enjoyed success as a coach. Cause I remember the last time you came on a podcast, I told you I've never met a championship coach. That's also an active player. That, that animal doesn't exist. In fact, I, you know, I talked to John Mayer. I told, um, cause I was with him at LMU. And when I left my parting words where I said, if you want to win a WCCs or you want to be in the NCAA, you, you, you can't, you have to, you have to retire. You can't that because the animal doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was weird. That was winter 2018, 2019. And then that spring, they won the WCCs. They beat Pepperdine. And then the next year, they made the NCAAs and they beat um, LSU and UCLA the same day. So, you know, with this. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I remember that from that conversation. And it's something that's kind of reverberated. I'd already made the decision to leave. Mm -hmm. um, when we'd actually had our talk last time. So I had already talked with my athletic director. We were working on sort of the next steps for, you know, a program that I really care about. It's not just something where it's like, oh, this is just a job for hire. It was like, no, that's my alma mater. And it's something I spent like 10 years at that school yeah. as a player and a coach and just 
I still have so many great friendships. I was just on campus this past week visiting the coaches. Like I wasn't just going to like set up the program to fail, Mm -hmm. but I also was like, you know, I do believe that there's a different, uh, it's a different brain that you use. It's the same sport. It's the same knowledge, but how it gets transferred, um, you know, just through your actions, through staying up late at night, answering emails versus staying up late at night, watching film of guys are going to be playing next week or, you know, you know, getting skills by watching like Anders Mole or something like it's just a different brain that that ends up being developed in a way. And I can feel it now, even as I coach club and lessons, like I'm a lot more in the mind of my outside hitters and my passers and my setters. Um, Whereas before, I feel like I was a lot more in the mind of the system and uh, sort of the overall flow of the stuff. And they're both necessary. And I think it's both great. And that's just how my brain works. Like I can fragment stuff off very, very well. But it's uh, I'm excited to get back into coaching after I play because I feel like I've developed another part of, I don't know, like the volley mindset, I guess. Yeah. Well, I got a chance to see you mic'd up on YouTube and see some other things. Let me get that goddamn mouse thing out of your way. What the hell's wrong with me? Um, there it is. It's out of your way. <laughs> this little thing pointed at your head. Um, <laughs> watching you mic'd up and just watching your work in, in other respects, I think you're, the thing that made you a good coach is that you um, address people your age and younger than you on eye level, right? Me, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a-hole. I talk from up here, you know, looking down, you know, um, and there's something about people that bring it down here, metaphorically, and sometimes even physically, boom, that people can relate to, and then there's this connection, and then um, if what you're saying makes sense, right, then there's that belief system, and once you have that belief system, oh, look out world. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's always dangerous because I always felt, and I'm going to give you the floor because I'm trying to introduce something um, that I'm not entirely sure about, so bear or work with me. Mm-hmm. I've always found that young players who coach, the ones that benefit them, uh, that stand to win more, are the young players because they learn more about their own game coaching than, you know, uh, a coach will ever learn about himself as a player. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. so be, um, I, I think I phrased that wrong because. When you start coaching juniors and kids and you're like, okay, hold, you got to hold at the end, right? On your fit, your angle, your platform, face your angle. You typically are going to ask yourself, am I doing that? <laughs> right? So, so do you see how they stand to benefit more? The people who are active players, um, just as, just as much or more than, than their actual function as a coach. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So are you asking whether the progression for yeah. me happens but like do i get better as a coach every year or do i get yeah. better as a player every year through coaching is that well the first part asking? of that's more rhetorical i think the answer is yes i just think you learn yeah. more about yourself as a player um when you teach kids because you you self-examine right? oh yeah i mean you so you can get experience by doing it yourself or by helping someone else through it yeah. you know that's that's the age-old thing like what's better is it um you know being hercules or being that little fawn that trains him and helps him uh, tackle things, you know, in in the old story of Greek mythology, Hercules has to overcome all these little demigods before he can actually defeat like the bigger gods and end up becoming a god again. And I didn't expect to talk about this today. It's kind of strange, but like, Hercules, what are you talking about? (laughs) The the fawn, (laughs) it has to defeat his own demons and his own little issues, along with Hercules while he's like teaching him. And in that, he also sort of redeems himself, the, the little fawn. And so I think in that way, whenever you like 
slay a dragon or, you know, end up overcoming something as a person, you yourself, that's great. But you can do that like a hundred times over with a hundred different people and help them overcome their things. And I think the more that you are just an overcomer and the more that you're an achiever, I think it just helps you in every area that you have. Like there's, there's very few things that I feel like I couldn't tackle because I've just seen in my, you know, I just turned 30. I've seen in my 30 years and helped people through things. Um, wow. So, so much. So I don't know. I, and, and I say that in all humility because I've had some awesome, amazing leaders that have helped me through things and 30 sort of the advice they've given me. So you're 30. I he's just like, turned 30 on like, dude, uh, Tuesday. He, he's like, 2014 was a long time ago, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just so our fans know that we know our Greek mythology, we both are mindfully aware that the Greek name for Hercules is Heracles. Hercules is the Roman name, but we just did that so y'all y'all, y'all would know what the hell we're hey, talking about. because it's okay? Disney, man. <laughs> yeah, the Greek name is Heracles. I know. I, yeah, dude, I, mean, I know. Pinocchio, Pinocchio has a different name initially, but right? I don't know what it is. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> and they figured he's he might be Italian, right? <laughs> Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> Echo Bravo. So for you, I have a question for you, and I meant to ask you this before. Um, because I was so busy talking about myself. You know I'm an idiot like that sometimes. Is my all right, I'll say it about myself and I'll translate it to you. One of my biggest strengths as a coach is I personalize my work. It ne my work doesn't stop when I leave the gym. My, it doesn't stop when I leave the video room. I have uh, uh, from this very command center is everything a volleyball, you know, commentator, coach or whatever needs in this very goddamn room. Um, and I know you had like emotional investment because Belmont Abbey was your your, um, you know, your alma mater and, and, and it wasn't just a job. I right? um, at the same time, my biggest weakness was. I personalized my work. How much of that, what I just said about myself, applies to you or has applied to you um, pretty much, I would say, let's just say last five years as an assistant to like a head coach or whatever. How much is your strength? Uh, first of all, is any of this ring a bell to you? Yeah. Is your strength and your weakness the same thing? Yeah. And, and to what end? Yeah, I, I uh, you know, becoming a head coach at 24 years old of a D1, D2 program I, I wouldn't say I had the, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I had the best work life habits, you know, and, and it's become popular in culture now to, mm -hmm. to talk about those and companies will help out with it. And Bellman Abbey did a great job helping out and the community supported me, but simple things like, do I get takeout every night because I decided to stay in the office for another two hours or um, just didn't want to deal with the dishes. And so, you know, you just end up eating poorly because you're 24 and I was used to eating out of the cafeteria and like little things like that make a huge difference. Um, if, if you kind of just go straight into overall hundred percent investment, um, into the program and, you know, I'm not married or anything. And it's like, it, you, you, you need that help around you. And I feel like, sort of being young, not having those good work life habits, ended up being something to where I was like, look, if, if I stay in this role for another three years, or I don't change something up, I was going to get exhausted, I could feel that the burnout was coming, it was harder and harder to stay in the gym recruiting, um, all that kind of stuff. And initially, I could stay in the gym for 12 hours and still be jacked up and still be shooting out texts and all that stuff. But like, mm -hmm. towards the end, especially when I knew I was leaving, I was like, 
I'm very excited to, to work on those personal things as well and, and get all those in line and, um, you know, get your house in order before you go try and change the world kind of mentality. And um, I think it is one of, it's my strength, but also my weakness because my, my phone is always available for the people that need me or want me. And like, I feel like coach is a similar thing as like doctor or captain or general or whatever it'd be like, you never take away that title um, ever, you know, it, it's always on you. Whereas you could be, I don't know, a computer technician and you kind of check out from that job at the end of the day. I mean, you're still probably going to have way better tech at your house than I do at mine, but you know, there's certain jobs to where the title doesn't follow you around. And I think as a coach, it does. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a volleyball player, it doesn't, you know, that title really doesn't define me in, in many ways um, because there's, there's not as many people depending on me and I don't feel that like responsibility in the same way. So I, I've had to learn through that. And I don't think I would have even known that I was gaining you know 20 pounds over the course of like three years coaching like I was 240 by the end of my coaching career now I'm back down to like where I should be it was like 195 200 gets you like, fat, dude. I was a big boy <laughs> dude coaching gets you fat or if you're naturally yeah. a skinny guy coaching gets you skinnier right like Drew Hamilton skin and bones <laughs> right now John Mayer right stiff breeze and but then you know, uh, I'm like, Dane, watch yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, you do. You do. Todd, you gotta have, Todd gotta have what enough, you doing? <laughs> you got to have enough truth tellers around you to be like, hey, bro, um, you hitting the gym? Uh, like, what's going on? Like, you, yeah. the athlete in you hasn't stopped. Like, where, no, where's the that appetite athlete hasn't? <laughs> the athlete's and appetite hasn't. <laughs> and and I, I got like 22 year old guys that I'm traveling with, and they're eating two burritos from Chipotle every time we go. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, I guess I could eat, you know, double chicken on my burrito bowl. Like, yeah. you know, there's all that kind of stuff. So, well, there's also, I don't know if there's a science behind this, but I'm going to give you my bro science. All right. It's, it's, it's got to be true, bro. I think as a coach, when you're coaching kids, you kind of work up the same appetite, but you're not doing the reps. And I think that's one of the big things that come into play. So, so me, yeah, I, when I first started coaching, I blew up to 265 pounds, dude. But, but I got, I got it figured out. You know what I'm saying? And this California is supposed to be like a workout culture, but to be totally honest, I, I got more fatter out here than mm -hmm. New York because New York, there's this sense of urgency. You have to do everything yesterday. Mm -hmm. Out here, everything's like, you know, someone's supposed to deliver something to two hours late. And I'm like, you're supposed to be here two hours ago. They're like, chillax, man. I'm here now, man. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just, you would love and hate this place. No, oh, yeah. it's, it's my favorite and least favorite part of being in the South. It's my least favorite, but also my favorite. Being a Chicago kid, yeah. everything's like, boom, 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 yes. let's go. Mm -hmm. Down here, it's like, now how y'all doing? Yeah. Like, y'all doing, you want some more fried chicken? You want some yeah. more fried food? Like, it's great, but it's also, you know, a curse. <laughs> I'm going to time this so I could delete this part later. But it's like, good morning, my neighbor. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> morning. <laughs> 15 minutes. We're good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I got to send this to my mom, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. Believe me, the, the radio version will be unedited. Um, as far as dealing with the loss... And I think this is where I was talking about personalizing my work. Like, you want it for these kids so, so badly, right? And when they don't get it, 
and and you want it again you want it for them this badly it freaking hurts dude and that's uh, uh um from my aspect why personalizing my work is my weakness i can't you know i have to be able well this is distant past i'm i'm, I'm a little bit older and i'm a little bit grown now but how do you deal with that how do you compartmentalize with that because from what i know about you you're teaching someone, they're learning something, and you see they want it in a bad way. And sometimes they don't always get what they want. Um, the One, does that hurt? Rhetorical question, because that's what I'm doing in my two-part questions. I'm asking questions we already know the answer to. And second, um, as time goes, is, is time the best healer? Or is time the best way to have you compartmentalize with that, that emotional investment? Yeah, well, I will answer in two parts. Um, one I let's feel do the like, easy one first <laughs> yeah easy one is like yeah you always hurt because you care and anytime there's some care it's there's a tug um and there's a tug on the heart and there's a tug on the actions if you're you know well adapted to how you should be as as a leader um so that tug of like man purse like it just it's not just an external it's not just because of my resume it's like literally my body like hurts for my my people if they don't end up succeeding in a way and it's like okay how much do you allow the feelings that you feel to dictate your actions and so that's the first thing is like you can feel bad but yet it doesn't have to capsize your whole day like your feelings are not your reality um secondly i think if you have your goals for the people you're working with and they align with what they should, then winning is not necessarily a goal that you should be focusing on in the short term at all. Right. Um, it's just if more, your more the net results, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. well, results at a point that you can control, like I can't control winning really. Like we can, we can have a, a line ref who's, uh, you know, completely blind and we can have a, a down ref who doesn't understand what the net is and we can have an up ref who's upset and wants to go home. And that's just on the officiating. Then you can have somebody on the other team that just goes off and they just destroy the ball every time they hit it. And it's like, all right, I'm applauding for them just as much as I am for you because that's incredible, like good work. I think what it is is you got to make sure that your goal is at the end of the day, if my goal is I can look at myself in the mirror and go, I gave everything I could to help the kids. And part of helping is allowing them to fail in a comfortable manner um, to where they know they can try and they can accelerate and they can move through things that they never have before. And I won't disown them or bench them if they're trying it, you know, whether that's practice or games. And I think that's a big, I guess, context that you want your team to be in is that like malleable can grow is not judged based off of their results or their stats but based off of their attitude and their effort and i think if that's your goal and your team gives your attitude and effort and then you can look in the past month and go that's where we were now we're here and i see a nice little upward tilt going on to where next month it's going to be here then you can go to bed and you can rest and you can go, I trust that my athletes want to be here as much or more than I do because they show up every day. And then you can go, okay, it's all going to work out because athletes end up working it out. Humans like love getting better. So I just have to like leave it in the hands of God, leave it in the hands of their desire to get better, all that stuff. And <laughs> as long as I'm judging their attitude and effort, then I'm okay. And they will allow me to do that. And any athlete will. Right. If I 
don't know anything about what's going on in their life, then they're going to just assume that I'm just the worst and meanest coach ever because they're like, well, you didn't know I had midterms or you didn't realize that my dog just died or you didn't realize that my boyfriend or girlfriend just broke up with me. It's like, I get all of that and you're letting it influence you as an athlete. And that's why I'm here is to not let those things influence you. That's my role. So that's why I get paid. And um, I think if I do it like that and I spend the time with them, then at the end of the day, even if we lose, we can be happy and, and know we succeeded in some ways. You make me sick. That's such a perfect answer. <laughs> it's sickening. <laughs> I'm disgusted with myself listening to you right now. No, I'm kidding. I mean, no, no, no. Are you kidding? No, we share the same thing. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. And I had this acting flashback that's certainly applicable. Finish what you're going to say, though. Well, I was just going to say it, it. it's very simple, but it's not easy because right. you only have a certain amount of emotional, like, I don't know, like strength each day to deal with things. And you only have a certain amount of hours in a day. Yeah. And then you got to focus on the right things when you're there. And then you can go back and second guess and triple guess and all this stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, you got to trust me that you're in this position for a reason. Right. And just go with your gut and then have good people to check in with about it. And it's like, don't make it harder than it has to be. Have a conversation with your people. Like mm -hmm. just take a meal, have a coffee and a walk around campus. Like it's the best thing you can do with some of these kids because they just sometimes need to breathe the same air as you a little bit and realize, oh, you're not coming at me. You're coming with me. Like, yeah. And I think that's the biggest like thing that our generation does pretty well. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be around significantly like really good caring coaches that that really helped me with that too. So I, I was able to experience it and I just want to give it to all the players I coach. Yeah, man. Echoing that sentiment, paying it forward, you know, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Right. Um, and I like that answer because right now, like in California, it's like the club tryout uh, season um, uh, for girls. I think boys kind of did it earlier or whatever. And I'm, I'm not going to talk about the parents and the kids perspective. I'm going to talk about like program directors and coaches, right? Um, I'm with LA Volleyball Club, J.O. J.O. is a program director. And he shares um, a lot of similar things that, that you and I do. Uh, multiply it by 10. He's a true volleyball nerd. You know, former All-American at U of H, University of Hawaii, and then just became like, guess what? Television and film actor. <laughs> that movie Beach Kings, that was him, you know? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, he was in it for the, he was a guy that was in it for the money. That's J.O. Um, he was also in um, All My Children and Tyler Perry's House of Pain and, you know, he's continuing to do, to do good, good things. So we got a great relationship because we both are we're kind of, regardless of where we're from, what we're made of is the same thing. <laughs> right. right. Remember that Modelo commercial? It's not where you're from. It's, it's what you're made of. Mm -hmm. So and he's without airing too much of his laundry, like you invest in some of these girls since they're nine years old and then they're 14 and then they go to another club. It hurts, you know, cause there's this sense of, uh, for him, loyalty is like a big thing. And he has to realize loyalty has its limits when you're, when it comes to the sport of club volleyball, when it comes to the sport of NCAA volleyball. And the only reason why I'm dealing with it better than him is because when you coach NCAA, as long as we have, you coach four years, yeah four years i coached 12. so you become more like you said you put it in a, in a certain place and take care of the things you can control and and it hurts a little bit but not not as much it's you right mm -hmm. right that, that that thing's a real thing but how you deal with it is a choice if you if you get what i'm saying 
So, mm -hmm. and because he's just looking at me like, how the hell do you even, you know, you know, you were with me last year. How are you, how are you taking all this? And I'm just like, I said, I'm receiving it the same way. I'm just, I'm just responding differently, you know? So, yeah. And like you yeah, said, you start caring about people's success. You don't, you don't care. You know what I'm saying? No, but you start caring. No, but you start caring about pe people's success. Uh, let's oh, say, yeah, let's yeah. say I lost a girl to um, the older age group because she's playing yeah. so well. They want to play with the older girls, and if that girl doesn't care, she plays 18s or 14s. Be happy for her, and that's and that's how I am right now. I'm not, you know, I'm not hurt that that hurts my my club team because most some coaches, you know, they move up with their team like two years. Uh, whatever and that's what i'm doing with 13s and 14s and, and i'm just trying to tell people i'm like hey we, we got we got new girls coming in man we got a two-for-one deal <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah yeah and well I, I think it requires you to like check mm -hmm. yourself like mm -hmm. whose success are you worried more about like as a coach are you worried about the wins in your resume Ooh. or are you actually do you hear that jason <laughs> now i said do you hear that jason olive <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> well, well i like whenever so when kids would come up to me and be like hey i'm thinking about transferring right and i would go okay yeah. so what's uh what are your thoughts like like i feel like that's sort of my obligation is to help you talk through this i'm not mad at you you're not getting right. benched unless you do something that will hurt the program while you're still here but let's chat through it like did you make a list of pro and cons like right. are you just have you fully experienced the area that you're in or do you think the grass is just greener on the other side? And it might be, you know, we don't offer a major that fits your career you want to do. Okay. I get it. I feel it. And let's talk through maybe some options if they're no good. All right, then go ahead. Like I want to help you. And if they have a club team, I want to send that club director or that club team coach an email. And like, I want to help you out because if you're not happy here, then the team's not going to perform as well anyway. So I'd rather take a kid that wants to be here, that want, that is happy here, than the kid that just knows that they're going to be spending three more years at a place that's just not it. And it's like, okay, then go find yeah. it. Like I transferred after my freshman year. I found the place that was it. I found the sport that was it even more. You know, I played basketball my freshman year of college and then I found a place. So I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I didn't like help talk people through the choices that are going to, I don't know, impact them for the rest of their life. But the rationale behind your choices is applicable, right? Um, like you're a, music, what, you're a musical theater guy. Was that your, what was your major theater performance and musical theater minor? What was no, it? So, so my major was theology and sport management. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Strange, right? Yes, I thought you were a theater dude. I, I swear to God. I, I yeah. was in theater. So I, I did a whole bunch of plays. I yeah. was part of a band in college. I did. You were in the band. Uh, no, just kidding. Yeah, I had a band. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we're about as bad. <laughs> we did so many practices and did like two shows. And then like somebody got engaged and then somebody graduated. So it was like, okay, well, we're, we're done. But let's um, do it. Yeah, I've always been involved in music and acting and just being in front of a crowd and like, I don't know, trying to put on a show in ways. And um, my family was really musical. Uh, we started doing music lessons as a kid, learned guitar in college, like all of that stuff. So I, it, it does kind of flow out of me in a way like I like to express myself vocally. Um, I, I might be the first guest ever to to actually hold a longer 
<laughs> hold a longer soliloquy than the Jason Debilius. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I can go toe for toe with you, man. So, um, I think both of us have that characteristic. I swear but. to God, we do. Uh, we only needed to do karaoke one night. Where the That's hell was true. that? That was OB's or someplace in Manhattan Beach yeah, or something like that. That was awesome. That was a goddamn concert. <laughs> that was, great. That was you, a concert. Me, Greg, Kevin Knight. Faulkner, Kevin Knight. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Faulkner with his Sinatra, dude. It's a big old Papa Bear surprising people. <laughs> dude, Greg Faulkner sang uh, Black and Gold. Yes. Ooh. And I'd not been familiar with that song. I'd heard it, but I've only heard it from him. And he was like, you're not really here. Yeah, like, when he did that, I went boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Nah, big up Greg Faulkner. Right now, he's an assistant on um, last year's at Cal Northridge, his alma mater. Oh, cool. So he's trying to do good things, you know, the, the Nolan Albrecht way. So, <laughs> so look, talking this kid, I want to get back to, to this kid, like talking kids in and out of uh, transferring or whatever, because I think we stumbled on something special. Mm hmm. How much? Cause well, let's start with the collegiate level. Cause club, I'm I'm gonna do a study on on girls club because all of those girls are straight A students. There has to be some cor cross correlation of the discipline of going to club and doing well in school. You know, varsity gonna find plenty of dummies. All right, don't get me wrong. But club, uh, um, I'm doing a documentary and I'll talk to you a little about it later. And almost all of their kids, each of the coaches I talk to, are all straight A students. They're all like top five in their class academically. But let's let's do college first. How much does student, um, student athlete, right? Kid wants to transfer. How much does their academics come into play when they want to transfer out, right? Like, would you definitely, like if a kid's in the BFA program and Belmont Abbey has like a really good, you know, really good theater program all around the arts. I mean, they're just a really good school of the arts. And he wants to go to Loyola, Chicago to study swimming pool maintenance, a theory of plowing. How much, how much of your, uh, does your um, common sense come into play at the same time sounds on, uh, uh, and not be um, biased towards wanting to keep the stick, kids stay, kids stay, if you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, I just, I make sure that my bias in my role as head coach is to make the program as good as it can be. <clears throat> right. You know, all these other guys that committed to play, they're committed to play with other really good players. And so there's a certain obligation there of like, hey, this is my program that I'm in charge of. I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't try and keep all of our talent here that that initially wanted to play here. So I have that bias going into it. I know that. Then there's all the little things that are like, well, I don't want to be known as the place where people always transfer out of. And there's that, you know, there's that side, which which is another part. But then there's the bias of I want to be in this kid's corner because I don't know if he has anybody else, he or she. Like, I don't know who else is going to give them appropriate, good, solid feedback. And I wouldn't, you know, 10 years from now down the line, am I going to be proud of keeping the kid at the school that didn't necessarily want to be there? Or am I going to be proud of the fact that now he's graduated with a, with an awesome finance degree from a school down in Texas that he talked to me about, and now he's doing great. This is an actual story of a kid who still texts me. Like, I, I think you have to look at the context of what are the available options in your area that could I don't know, supplant the transfer. Like you don't need to transfer. You can stay in the area. Charlotte, North Carolina has awesome uh, banking. Our industry of banking is, is phenomenal. And if you want to go into, into finance, 
potentially you stay the course in the degree that you're going, but you get an internship as a sophomore. And at the school uh, at Belmont Abbey, being a D2 school, there's a lot more leniency um, for jobs outside of the gym and stuff. Like we don't have the same, uh, I guess, we have a bigger focus on academics and athletics then and we try and make sure that that's all there so mm-hmm. we, we really do the mind body spirit thing very well over there so i would always say that like if what you feel is you need to supplement that part of your resume in order to get a job because what you're doing right now is not going to make it i feel that i got it all right let's figure out how to do that like can we do it here do you have to go there what's the total cost going to be for transferring to a bigger school like that like you know all that kind of stuff um and just make a pros and cons list. And I literally, I'll tell you a story. Like when I got to Belmont Abbey, uh, there were six kids on the roster and two of them were going to be seniors. And we had a decent incoming recruiting class, um, uh, you know, solid guys that were signed, but I was like, we don't really have a culture. And of the guys that were already on the team of the uh, six, three of those guys had already applied to other schools and were thinking about leaving. And we'd already lost three guys that had um, transferred to other schools of that class. And our really, really good player um, that we had that ended up being like an insane player. He came to me and he, he was the last one to talk to me about his plans for next year. And I'm just going, I'm waiting for it. Like I'm just waiting. Hit me with your best shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like goodness gracious. Like he's just going to come in and be like, I I, got to go. he did one day and he like broke down in tears. He was like, I, I, I don't think I can stay here. Like, I think I have to go. And I was like, I think we need to go on a little bit of a walk. Like, let's just go take a stroll. Like, give yeah. me your thoughts, man. Like, why do you feel this way? And is it, is it true? And I didn't put any pressure on him. I just said, I don't feel it's just if you leave this place without doing an appropriate, like literal pros and cons list. And I was also like, dude, you're a stud. Like you are a baller of an athlete. You can go to this public school and play club and get a good degree. And you're going to dominate everybody. You're going to be the man for a little while. But you can also dominate after college is over at a different place. And I was like, you can also dominate here. And remember all the good things that we have that you haven't even tapped into yet. And I was like, just come back to me after the weekend. Like, take your time, talk to your people. I'm not afraid. Like I know the the worth that this school has. And I know the worth that I have as a coach and what the program is. And I know the worth you have. So like, I trust you to, to make a good, smart decision. And I just want you to come back to me after the weekend and let's chat. And he took the weekend, um, came back and he was like, coach, we're going to make this program great. I'm staying like, I'm in hundred percent. I'm all in. Oh my and God. It was the best thing we could have. I mean, yeah. he, he helped form the the sort of the new face of the program. So in other words, in the beginning of the conversation, he was crying. And at the end of the conversation, you were crying. I, yes. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think I called my mom and I was like, mom, like, yes, we're not going to be horrible next year. Like, yes. I did it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, well, look, kudos to you for like creating this environment. That's um, look, a lot of NCAA programs it's so intense and like you said the pressure to win and and have successful programs you're just happy to have an environment that's not toxic never mind never mind the polar opposite where you had this emphasis on finding different ways to grow physically mentally psychologically you know um and 
Good. That's that's probably probably explains why you guys have been doing, you know, did so well at the end. You know, you had this yeah. nice, and this we, nice we gradual still, build up that whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still put out um, elite level athletes, too. Like we had two guys on the USAV collegiate national team mm -hmm. um, back in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the only other program that had multiple was Stanford. Um, and we had two guys on that team. Andrew Kohut just graduated last year. He's been, he's playing overseas now. Nice. Uh, Liam Maxwell is Liam one of Maxwell. The, the best. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a baller. Like we're, we're putting out really, really talented kids out of the program. And it's also like, we're not forcing it out of them. It's like, you want to be here. We're going to put you in a phenomenal environment to do that. Now go make it happen. Like who doesn't want that challenge? What great athlete doesn't want to be at a place that goes, Hey, tiger, get out of the cage. Let's go like release. Come on. Yes. Like that's exactly. the best thing you can do. It really is. It really is. And you and you just mentioned some pretty, pretty good ballers too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stanford, big up to them. They produce a lot of, a lot of good athletes. I have, um, one of my best friend's sons, Luke Turner, Lucas Turner, uh, mm -hmm. went, went, that's Wendy Jones kid. Wendy Jones from the, uh, the optimist journal will be better. That's mm -hmm. her son. He's a starting oppo at, um, Stanford. And her daughter's at playing for Hector at Tech at TCU, so she's one of these. Oh, cool. She's one of these power moms. She's just spouting out. She's a volleyball baby making machine, <laughs> and she's got another kid in the, in the house that's like six six, who's like fifteen years oh. old or whatever. So, but I don't think he's into volleyball. But I really, um, God, I, before I go to the Pottstown Rumble, I want to talk about theater. And I want to talk about some of the things. Yeah, you had your guitar. Was your, show show everybody the guitar. Is it over there? Is it is it yeah. is it next to you? Uh-huh. Uh oh. Get out. Oh my God. Is that wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I gotta go full camera. Is that guest celebrity appearance? <laughs> Yo, Funikari. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, you never know what you're gonna find out here in Charlotte. Dude, I got something to show you. Where is it? Hold up, hold up. Where is it? I got a, I got my camera. I'm gonna show my camera. This, I will always associate Mark Fornicari's face with this. <laughs> Drink responsibly, people. Drink responsibly. So, Mark, this is my new, my new present. A not, uh, not, oh, wow. a not, a not weighted keyboard. Keyboard. Um, I'm doing a documentary called Club Coach. And, okay. um, and some of the composition of music I want to do myself because I play, you know, I play piano for three years, clarinet and this and that. But, um, wow. Hold on. Wait a second. Now you're making me go Pottstown Rumble. Guys, yeah, for the people yeah, watching, these two guys right here are the I, I told, 2021 Mark, uh... finalists for the Pottstown Rumble. Mark Fornicari oh, yeah. and Nolan Albrecht. <laughs> My, Nolan won it. I didn't win it. Ah, uh, well. He, I, look, he had to um, he had to get a coach, you know, like you to, to show him how it was done. <laughs> there is no doubt since I got you here that him winning this year had so much to do with the way you guys played last year. Talk to me a little bit about that since I got the both of y'all here. Well, I think you go him, first, Nolan. No, no, you go, oh, Mark. Yeah. He's got it. He's got go it. Ahead. Well, I think for him, it was the experience factor. He had been there once. We had taken, I think, fifth and then he had that back injury mm -hmm. and then it was last year he got his you know he cracked at the finals and then he was in that same spot around 13 11 i think this year uh-huh but it was like we, he had the lead and then he kind of just being there it was like he was in cruise control the whole time he wasn't really nervous 
Nice. And then he did a great job during pool play too of um, he took care of business. I mean, they blew out everybody. So they were the one overall and had a real good, easy, you know, not easy, but like had a way better path and didn't really get tested until they got to beans and Dave Evans. So that yeah. helped. Yeah. Cam beans is really um, talk about someone that put the physical in like off the court just to make sure he was physically prepared and, I know he wanted bigger results, and I hope that he just – I want him to just keep what he's doing because I see a better version of himself. Like, mm -hmm. And sometimes when it's not working for you, sometimes you, you, you take a downward spiral because the muscles between your ears is going to mess with your physical. So on another note, Cam Beans, keep doing what you're doing. Um, since I got, I got both of you guys here, Mark Burek once told me, like, the best, the path like the cracking the code for the Pottstown Rumble and being one of the last teams there at the quarterfinals every year because you notice it's like the usual suspects. I, when I played in the, two, the early 2000s, it was it was like, you know, I took fifth. Uh, um, and the year before and the year after that, it was always the same bunch of guys. Um, five of the five of the, uh, the, uh, the final eight teams. How Mark Bjork told me um, there's power in the serve. Like trading side outs on this kind of quasi low net, you're not going to get a lot of blocks. You're not going to get this and that. So how much does the the jump serve come into play for you guys playing this? And I'll remind everybody, big court, side out to 15 on the most humid month of the year in Allentown and Pottstown, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Talk about serve. I mean, I, I, for, as far as serve goes, you know, you battle all game and all match, especially to get a real point in that format. Right. And you got to dig. And normally the dig's hard to control. Court's so big, they can hit it away from you. And then to get a good set that you can really just unwind on, you got to have a lot of discipline in your footwork, stay behind the ball, whatever, and then take a big crack. Okay. And that's just to score a real point off of a dig why don't you try and take a huge swing when you know where the ball is going to be mm -hmm. off of your toss and your footwork can be perfect and you can basically view your serve as an attack like i get set on the right side and i feel awesome i get set out of the middle i feel great you know balls right where it needs to be it gets set on the outside it's like game over why can't i do that from behind the service line every single time and in that way, it kind of saves, like, let's say I miss or whatever, you know, I'm, I miss four serves and I get two aces. Like, that's a great percentage when you're playing outdoor volleyball because it's such a slog of a tournament. It's so long. You're saving your partner's legs from jumping. You're saving your legs from running down balls off the block. You're saving a lot. So, yes, you're giving up points or opportunities to score by missing a serve every so often. But you save so much by getting a real point with just one jump. And Mark kind of taught me that we played a, a couple of tournaments. He's like, it's just the best, you know, back in when I was like 23, he's like, it's the best way to score points, save yeah. jumps. He's like, I don't have to do anything. Serving the block, right? <laughs> the two fastest yeah. ways to serve in the block. Uh, Mark, you mentioned something that he was in the sim similar situation last um, this year as he was last year that, that might have, um, or a couple of years ago that might have halted his winning success that he was able to conquer this year. Talk to me a little bit about that more. The, you talked about a 13-11 lead. Was it something that he blew a couple of years back that he's that he so got, two years that he ago, patched through this we, year? We were down, then we came back, and then we got up 13-11 after he got an ace. And the next one, he got Andre out of system, uh -huh. and all Andre could do was shoot it over. He picked it up and then rolled high line, but rolled out. And then the next play was a double. So then it's a 13-12 switch versus 
So that was a big momentum shift. And then this year it was around 13-11, and you could kind of sense there was going to be a play. And there was an overpass, and he was up at the net. And instead of, you know, dunking it or hitting this ball out, he just put it away for that point Mm -hmm. to make it 14-11 with the pressure now on Captain Miller, where I think if he maybe wasn't in that, he might have came off the net and passed it or, you know, might have made an error. No, he kind of took it in his own hands. So, no, I also learned, please, I also learned something uh, from Mark, too. Nothing like a good sugar free Red Bull to help the serve and help. The <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to give up the, uh, the energy drinks as much as I can. But. Dude, yeah. I mean, let me tell you something. Uh, oof. I remember I was watching a documentary on Stone Cold Steve Austin and, um, there was some kind of energy drink that the, all of the fighters were, were 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 having, and he just had a, I don't know, he could, he was he couldn't stop moving. He was like shaking uncontrollably, and really had to he really had to get off that sauce. In addition to all the other sauce wrestlers are probably on. <laughs> so, Nolan, did you feel physically the same as you did last year? Did you feel better? Um, I'll move the camera. I got it. I can oh. move the camera. Like that. <laughs> Dude, ladies and gentlemen, exiting is the great Mark Fornicari. Mark, I miss you, man. You. Stay up, man. What's that? Stay up, brother. Miss you, man. Miss you. Stay and stay up, brother. Oh, I was going to find a chair. Oh, come. Come. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, sit in for a bit. Yeah, he got to sing some um, songs, though. Did you? He knows, uh, how he knows did you the feel stories physically? better than I do most of the time because I just my memory kind of goes as I'm playing. So <laughs> Mark's got the best outdoor volleyball memory there is. So right. Talk to me about your your um how you felt physically coming in to Pottstown this year as compared to last year. Oh, uh, just so much more in control. I knew how I was gonna feel all day long. Um, when Mark and I played on day one. So this was 2021. I cramped up in pool play. Right. Um, and so like, I just didn't do as good of a job taking care of my body and stuff. And then day two, I was able to sort of find the groove and, and I was all right. But this year I just, I'm in a lot better shape. Um, I have a lot more control of, I don't know, just like what I'm doing when and all that stuff. And um, also, I mean, having Tomas as a partner too, like he helps with a lot of that stuff as well. Like I can't discredit his, his abilities and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just been able to learn so much about game management and tournament management from playing with guys like Mark that have done it forever. Um, just knowing like, Hey, don't sleep on a couch the night before the Pottstown rumble, get a bed, you know? Man. And so we got four dudes in a room um and uh but we're all sleeping on a bed you know and it costs the weekend it costs like 250 a night to get a hotel there but if you want to make you know the difference between getting six grand and ten grand i mean you got to take that you got to yeah, do you can't pay for peace of mind dude yeah mm-hmm. let me tell you something I, I did a documentary i drove to 13 different cities and everywhere i went i, I just i'm like dude just spend the money I'm, i doled out first class you know and again i'll, I'll be more than willing to talk to you guys more about that later. But right now, I got two rock stars, and I want to talk more about you guys right now. But um, cool story because we have a lot of mutual friends. You guys know Jeff Schitzel from New York or Connecticut. Um, this that? Jeff Schitzel, do you know him, uh, Mark? You know a little everybody. Um, the, yeah, the lawyer from uh, yeah. New York. Yeah, he yeah. um well he'd always invite me to this tournament in Lake George. It was fours. It was beach fours, 
And we invited this guy from Germany. He's like six foot eight. And he was in the same room where someone was snoring. Right. So he ended up sleeping in the dog bed, <laughs> like this bed with the dogs. And when he woke up, like you said, he had spasms. We had to, you know, how you have to suction cup them. You, and you, you ever see those guys with no shirt and they got circles all over their body? My goodness. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, next year. Because this guy was a tool, man. This guy basically determines if we win or lose. In Beach Fours, you guys all, all know, in Beach Fours, the difference between high-level teams and regular teams are the, are the middles, right? Uh, and, and losing this guy, um, you know, for two sets or four sets, we missed pool. We were five and three, and we lost the tiebreaker because, because he missed that. So I'm just echoing the sentiment that you guys were talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go back to the serve. Um, I strongly believe... Uh, on the beach scene, and I've been hitting more beach out here in California than I than I have uh, grass. New, you know, East Coast. I'm I'm kind of with you guys. The difference between some of these mid level open players and like the top eight is this. Uh, I've always felt is the serve. Um, if you play a CBV out here, if you play like local open tournaments, uh, Huntington's got a big one coming up. Everyone can set. Everyone's got nectar hands. You know, everyone's, you can always enlist a cave troll to block, right? Every, you know, you're always going to have a rock star out, outside hitter, former college player that could hit and serve uh, uh, rules of the day. How much do you guys agree with that? We can, we can explore, we can explore grass, which we just did. We can actually close yeah. the door on grass and let's talk about a little bit about the beach. Yeah. I mean, I, I think serving. So I know Mark was a pitcher, played a lot of baseball. Um, I was a pitcher as well, played a lot of baseball. And, and the difference, the difference between pitchers is not necessarily who's th who throws harder, but who makes the right pitch at the right time and just does it. Like mm -hmm. you just release the ball and you, you know, blow the heater right past their big hitter, or, you know, you should pitch away from this guy. Like you shouldn't give him a chance to swing the bat. Um, and I think working the count is a way like the game is mm -hmm. just a big, long at bat basically. And I think if you think about the, the other team's court, look at it as a strike zone. Like, yeah, you're going to miss one or two high, but are you setting up something later? Yeah, you might miss one or two in the net, but are you setting up like that deep, high, floaty serve into the wind later in the game? It's not just about the one serve. You got to win a match. And win a match, you got to win 42 points and hopefully in the first two sets. So like, I see it as like, do I have the power Absolutely. I have a really good, like a lot of power on my serve and like, can I do it consistently and aim to both sides and the middle and short? And am I expanding it? And do I spot a weakness and exploit it? And can I have the mental wherewithal to not necessarily only do my favorite serve every time, but do the serve that they don't want to see? Like, mm -hmm. can I do that serve every time? Um, and it's going to change depending on wind, depending on personnel and all that. But that's literally what I go back there and go, this is the ball they don't want to pass. That's the ball I'm going to give them. And How do you, I think, go ahead. Sorry. It, yeah. It's like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's my mentality, I guess. How do you, as a, as a coach on all levels, you coach club, um, you coach NCAA, how do you teach it? Talking through it and letting them be the one that decides the zone. Yeah. Like I, I tell them who they're, you know, potentially the other team's weakest passer is. Um, I will tell them, depending on a rotation, hey, let's serve it over to the switch. Like if they're in row one, let's get it at that 0-1 that's stacked up on the right side. Like let's exploit that. But I never give them like just a zone. They need to think back there. They can't just toss the ball and be 
Bam Bam from the Flint from the Flintstones just rock them, sock them, serves over it. Like, be a fighter, and a, and a good fighter isn't someone who throws the hardest punch. A good fighter is someone who can dodge and dip and like knows how to exploit the other person's weaknesses and has balance. And so, I'm not the guy that's just like, hey, zone one, zone one. There's few, very, very few times that I will actually call a serving zone to a player. Most of the time I'll go, this is the, this is the spot on the court, or this is the person we need to exploit. And we're giving the ball to uh, the all American libero way too much. So you guys need to figure out how to stop getting the ball there and get it to someone who can't pass. No, no doubt. No, I got that. I mean, for me, for juniors, it's one of the things I find myself saying the most. I mean, you could tell people 10 different things, but for juniors, I always tell my, my players like who are missing, I'm like, physically look with your own two eyes where you want to go all right don't don't give it away i mean from 60 feet away they're not going to see exactly what you're looking at anywhere on the other side look at it and now that you have a vision now you have a visualization right mm -hmm. and just and from that point on just 100 percent concentration on the ball because mm -hmm. i tell people people i say people on the court move all the time but does that spot stay the same the answer mm -hmm. is yes right so that's just on a juniors level and I'm on a more simplistic thing because because if a kid's thinking serve the line and the line is an inch thick you're gonna freaking miss <laughs> right but if you if you if you're thinking position one left shoulder you know position one right shoulder and if they miss a shoulder it's still a competitive serve even though they miss that's the, at the juniors level now at the, at the collegiate level and i'm gonna give you the floor so keep your thought um yeah. at the collegiate level i tell my jump servers or whatever allow your technique to get stronger as the game goes 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 along like you just said if you in, in a fight if you go for the knockout you're gonna you're probably gonna lose a decision <laughs> So Mark, we're both MMA fans, Mark, Mark, and Mark, and um, <laughs> we can co-sign on that. So, so it's one of those things where I, I literally tell them, you can slow down your swing a little bit, keep your contact, the ball still has some movement on it. And if, and if you are who you say you are, the technique will get stronger in its own. So sorry, you oh, had yeah. a thought. Yeah. I mean, there's, mm. it's a mental thing. So like if your technique is off, you know, if you're contacting it way above your head, sometimes you can't tell that you're doing that. So you need a mirror, you know, and a coach can be a great mirror. Um, I, I think that's what I tried to do with my athletes more than anything is just kind of be a mirror during those mental things. And if there's one or two little tweaks to make, then do that. But it all happens in practice. Do you give them pressure opportunities in practice or do you just say, hey, five minutes serve and, and run and shag your ball? Because as if that's game like at all, you're going to go back there. Unlimited amount of serves. You got the three kids that are by the ball cart just tossing and serving every, like, as many as they can with no thought about where the ball's going. I mean, that's like me going to the driving range for golf and buying 100 balls and just hitting them as hard as I can all over the place. Like, how am I going to get more precise and better at golf? Uh -oh. Yeah. It's like, I just hit four cars on the highway. That's great. But Sorry. I'm not a better golfer. <laughs> um, Someone gets hit. And, Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. So, like, do you do you put your players in a position to where you feel the weight of your team on your shoulders behind the service line and you can practice what that feeling is like and you can only do that with like okay you can do it in two ways negative repercussions or positive repercussions i'm behind the service line if i make this serve below the height of the antenna into these cones that are on the other side a six by six circle if three of us make it in the first five attempts, we don't run. That's like the negative consequence. You know, it's like, let's save our team from running, running. And then you have, all right, if we do this, you guys get to pick the next drill for 15 minutes. Like, how do you end up rewarding your servers for the responsibility that they feel and then 
teach your team to put the right type of responsibility on the shoulders. Like don't be making jokes while they're back there serving unless it's super serious and they need a joke. Like, I don't know. Like I even did it with Mark in the semis of the Pottstown rumble. Um, we were playing against, uh, who was it? Joiner and yeah, I told him this story. Yeah. Joiner and friend. And, and I was like, Hey man, it was like 11, 11 or something or 12, 11, I think. Right. And I was like, Hey man, I get, I get these next three aces mm-hmm. in a row and I get a thousand more dollars than you. And we win. Um, <laughs> Mark's and like, like, hit me with your best shot. <laughs> yeah. So he looked at me and he gave me the ball and he's like thinking about it. And I was like, I'll give you that option as well. Like if I'm done serving, he's like, yeah. Okay. So I go back, I rip an ace, I rip another ace. But at that time, it wasn't the semis of the Pottstown Rumble, right? It was just me betting against Mark, like just as a fun story and a good joke. And if you can get your mindset right to not go, the team's depending on me. Oh, man, what if I blow it? Oh, Kyle Friend's really good. What if I serve it to his like platform? You got to get your mindset in a place where it's like, I can be free with this serve. I can just be a beast and it doesn't I'm beating Mark right now in a way he's my teammate, but I'm trying to beat him with this, like getting an extra thousand. So in a way you gotta, you gotta have some of those little tricks. Um, I would tell the uh, technique technique wise, if you're serving a top spin, you want to serve and focus on the, uh, the power as well as like uh, a placement. Um, those are two things that are really good in a mindset. And for a float serve, I think you want to do pace and precision um and i think you need to think differently about what type of serve you're doing because float serve go ahead and be precise you want to do a laser right to the spot if you're a top spin you want to be a rocket you want that thing to come crashing down in that spot that's going to just like like a ton of bricks yeah yeah yep yeah yeah mark did tell that story (laughs) mark man what we do we do two did we do like two hours and 25 we did like 225 that day (laughs) Just close to three hours. Yeah. Well, the time off camera was definitely like three and a half. It was, dude, it was just a good time. He brought, look, Mark knows I like, I like vodka. I'm not a tequila guy. Tequila, they're big on tequila out here. And tequila to me is for horny, horny white girls. I'm, I'm, I'm a vodka guy. So, um, you know, what's crazy. I'm at Hennessy's, right? And the waitress asked me, you know, do you, um, do you want this drink? And I'm like, is it tequila or vodka? And I'm like, so I joke with her. I'm like, vodka, I want vodka. Tequila's for horny white girls. So she walks by like five minutes later, right? And she has five tequila shots. And, and everyone at the table heard the joke. And I said, let's see where she's going with that. And it was a table, five, five girls who look like they just got out of college. And they just, and we all just started cracking up. Oh my God. Mark, um, I want to ask you some UFC questions in a minute, but I wanted to bring a volleyball question to you first, since sure. since I have the privilege of all of us being in the same e room. All right, um, give me something because you're a beach player and an, and, a, and a grass player. Give me something when you go from grass to beach. Give me the one thing that's just easiest to translate to the beach like a fundamental albeit serving digging passing or maybe just a psychological thing or just positioning give me one or two things that um the least of your words as far as seamless transition from from grass to beach goes um i would probably say for me since i bump set it's probably setting um you know i have the tendency to to always chowder around some at some points but for the most part I probably am 
my one of my best attributes is setting when we're out of system, like giving the hitter a chance, rolling it up there. So from grass to beach, it's it's pretty seamless. I can you know pretty much run around and put my partner somewhere. I might you know put it 50-50, but I trust them to go up and get it. Uh, so I think that's the easiest for me when I'm you know switching from one to the other. Um, and then I don't know. This year's been a little little different because I haven't played with Nolan as much as I did last year, only maybe half of the time. Okay. So I've had to um, revert back to not seeing the ball all the time, whereas most of the time I'm seeing the serve. So I would say just passing for me has always been pretty easy on both surfaces, and that's just from seeing a multitude of serves. You're just taking care of first hit. Yeah. Right, right. But I just want to touch on one point that you brought up with Nolan. This is kind of going off subject. Um, but last weekend, Nolan won the Grass Nationals, but I played in the Tortugas KOB, which was in the Outer Banks, like a 16-guy invite. Okay. And Nolan talked about how, you know, serve is the big, or he was with him and Skyler winning. But really, when I watched on the on the sand, it was Caleb Cueco determined his fate based on, I mean, he played exceptionally, but he f- determined his fate based on his serve. He used the wind countless times and had so many aces from hitting sideline to sideline yeah. having that guy with the wind coming from the, from the guy's right or from the guy's left, whatever side, bailing out early and leaving the guy with the wind side exposed every single time. And he would just hit the seam ball that would cut back and you'd see the left side guy or right side guy, depending on which side bail out every time. Yeah. And he just took over. He won the KOB based on a serve. And yeah. And when, when Caleb, the weird thing is when he starts serving like that, it doesn't even matter the level. Like I, 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 I saw him do that on the beach against really, really, you know, something, some, some players where some may consider, superior players or whatever just i'm just gonna say what it is like it didn't even matter the level of competition when that guy catches fire man i hope i hope he does good things continues to do good things man young dude i don't know how old he is right he's he's a stud he's a stud he beat me the first game Mm -hmm. of the kob 21 to 10 or something Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. i had to play with him the second game and i'm like how am i gonna make up these points you know i'm already down 11 (laughs) points in this kob and then He's just so easy to play with. And we go around and we win the next one 21 to 10. I'm like, okay, now I'm one on one. I'm it's a wash. But then I'm thinking to myself, this kid's already in the fun. I mean, he's plus 22 and 2 and 0. Right. Um, Nolan, you yeah. um, you go from Pottstown Rumble and a couple of months later, you're in Manhattan Beach, right? Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't get a, a chance to spend some time, man, because last year, you know, we got to sing or whatever. I was. Dude, I, I was coaching clinics because LA Volleyball Club has a beach, uh, a beach. Uh, we're trying to introduce a beach thing. Dane Blanton's figureheading it, so that really means I'm coaching it. Okay, so let's just call that what it is. Um, and I was also coaching Jeff Samuels and Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they had draw points, and I was also coaching Doc Vandermeer. <laughs> uh, um, but from Pottstown Rumble, to Manhattan Beach, what are one or two things 
that you have to be mindful of. And again, we're just educating people who are experienced in this. We have, our audience is all, is all different levels. So we're, we're really giving an education on pretty much grass to beat. So as you answer this, I want that in your mindset. What are one or two things you're like, all right, I'm going to Manhattan Beach. These, these are things that I got to be mindful of and make sure my legs or my mentality is ready for this. Yeah, I, initially I wasn't going to go to Manhattan Beach because I wasn't going to have enough time to like get used to the surface, the the deeper sand, as well as the wind um, and get enough touches. Um, but it ended up being where my schedule allowed me to go uh, and get there on early on Wednesday. And who'd you, who'd you play with again? What? Who'd you play with again? Remind me. Uh, Tomas Goldsmith. Oh, shoot. Good, good stuff. Yeah, so I, I think initially I wasn't going to go because the prep is so big. You can't, you know. I'm not a good enough athlete and I don't know if many are to where just they can show just up. get in the van and just go and, and just sleep wherever. So that's like a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say sort of the, my success in the grass and my ability to play well there, there's lots of things that transfer over. So like service passing is pretty much the same. Um, I think <laughs> setting, like Mark was saying, setting is, it, it, there's some differences depending on the wind and stuff, but like pretty much it's, you know, can you trust it? Can you put it up there for your partner? Um, for me, it was getting stopped on defense and running down the ball um, with all the, the shots that happen in Manhattan beach. Um, there's, there's just a lot more high rolls or like cutties and stuff like that. Whereas in the grass, it's pretty much a swing every time. Right. Um, so that's a big difference going from the, the high level grass to the high level beach is just getting stopped and trusting that your blocker is going to take away some of those, you know, the low blast away swing. Right. And then you can get on your horse and run the ball down. Yeah. Also, I have a lot of work to do in that area. Right. And I know it, but it's one of those things to where each winter I've kind of worked on one aspect. Like I worked on my setting a whole bunch last year to get to this year. And I, that's what I'm going to be working on this winter is right. just getting stopped and then going and sort of trusting it. Well, um, the common denominator, what you just talked about is getting stopped because getting stopped, um, just educating our audience, allows you to make one move to the ball where you don't have mm -hmm. to make a second move. Sometimes mm -hmm. you guys are superior athletes and against some comp some competition, you can make the second move and get away with it, right? Mm -hmm. But the higher the level of competition, the more dependent you are. So training yourself for high level situations and knowing your limitations of such, right? You get out there. I think that's what you're alluding to. You get out to Manhattan Beach and you get enough rep repetitions where I'm like, do I have to cheat to get this? <laughs> or or, or uh, why would I cheat when I haven't tested myself to do this or that? So I totally, you know, again, just bringing the audience back, high level, low level, whatever, all to one collective right. co um, consensus to understand that. So I'm, I'm, how am I doing so far? Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. All right, cool. Mark, before I forget, man, I'm sports debate Tuesdays back and me and Rob are going to do a pick six for um, UFC, which the pay-per-view is coming up um, October 22nd. So I want some of your picks from top to yeah. bottom. Could you do it? So I'll give you a little 10 second funny story. Tell me. Yeah. We were at the Myrtle Beach Open two weeks ago mm. and I'm sitting next to uh, Taylor and Taylor goes, uh, man, I can't wait for these fights tonight. I was like, uh, what, what fights are you talking about? He's like, yeah, the UFC. I was like, oh, who'd you take? This is when, like, Mackenzie Dern was fighting. Yeah. And he he was like, oh, I got Oliveira in a part. I'm like, dude, oh, they don't fight for three weeks. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, look it up. No, yeah. I was like, Mackenzie Dern fights tonight. 
Yeah. And he, he looks on his phone, comes back, and he's like, oh, man. Yeah. And Grasso fights tomorrow, right? So I we gl- I just glossed over an event that's happening this Saturday. Uh, Alexa Grasso yeah. and, uh, and Arojo. Um, also, I do like, I think Cub Swanson's fighting too, isn't he? Yeah, Cub Swanson against Martinez. So that's happening as well. It's cool, that's man. tomorrow? That's uh, tomorrow, yeah. For, yeah. We're, we're pre-recording, guys, so however that map you, and that But you're talking, about, you're talking about next weekend. Yeah, next Saturday. It's a pay-per-view. And I know I won't get, probably won't get to talk to you, so, so that's the only reason why I'm jumping ahead on something I deem a little bit more important. So I'll go... So for main event, Oliveira and, and Makachev. I'll go Oliveira. I'm going Makachev. <laughs> let's, let's just do two more. Let's just do the top two because there's two belts. Sterling and Dillashaw? Sterling. 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 Yeah, he's dirty, dirty New Yorker, man. Um, wow. Sean O'Malley takes a step up. Piotr Jan? I think oh, Piotr Jan. Piotr's going to school this dude, man. His Piotr does everything a little bit stronger, faster, and... Yeah. Yeah, and, and I like O'Malley's confidence, and I hope his confidence doesn't get shot after after what's about to happen right. to him this weekend. He wanted to step up. Uh, Dariush and Gam, Gam, Gamro, that's a good one, too. I like I like Dariush, all-purpose yeah. fighter. Chuk again against Faro. Oh, this is the one. Sean Brady against Bilal Muhammad. This is a step yeah, up for Sean Brady. Yeah, that's a good question. Is, it, is, uh, is Bilal just going to kind of decision Brady out, or I don't know. I don't think Brady's fought the level that Bilal has. But he's but Bilal might be looking ahead of Brady. It's true. But and Brady's got power in both hands too, man. Right. I mean, he's a short guy yeah. though. But Bilal's got so a strong chin. I don't chin. know. Yeah. I mean, I th- I like Brady with the upset. I think Bilal's looking ahead like what could be on the horizon if he wins. He's got Chamaya. He could he could basically go on the mic if he wins and say he wants anybody because he's kind of earned it. Mm-hmm. Let me um cool, man. Uh, I'm also going to do NFL pick six, and I'm going to text you uh, next week. This week, I'm, we're going against the Crabs. Um, we're going oh, to yeah. Trevor and, and Taylor uh, doing the NFL pick six against me and Rob. So, um, And I was actually trying to set up my, my sponsor, set up like a winner take all, like a $4,000 thing. But uh, I gotta, I'm trying to work that out today and tomorrow to see if whatever. So, But um, next week, I wanted to get with you and you do, do an NFL pick six or whatever. Um, yeah. Because I do a volleyball guest every week. So... Cool story, and I wanna I wanted to ask uh, Nolan a question, but you mentioned Taylor Crab before, and you also mentioned that there are certain players that kind of like just show up to a tournament and just kind of like figure it out and they do well. Uh, first time I met Taylor Crab, New York AVP 2016, right? He's playing with Spencer McLaughlin, uh, yeah, and you might know him. Um, he's um, um Spira's assistant at UCLA. He was an assistant, then he was at Cal, and now he's back with Spira. He's he's really the secret sauce behind that, to tell you the truth. Um, no disrespect to John, but that dude, that dude is bright, bright Hawaiian dude. So they're playing in the qualifier. Crab has a hoodie on, kind of like yours, you know, texture-wise. It's 90 degrees in New York. It's hot. It's sticky, because New York, 81 degrees feels like 100 because it's sticky. And this dude's not even sweating. Low pass, two ball, shot. Low pass, two ball shot. And the whole time they're doing this, they're, they're playing the song Dirty White Boy by Foreigner. And they looped it four times. So I got two things from this. I'm like, dude, Taylor, he's talented and he's not just gifted with good partners. He just, you know, he just picked up his Hawaiian buddy and qualified for, for the draw in New York. And two, 
from now on, every time I see Taylor's face, I think of the song Dirty White Boy. <laughs> and I've called him that when I call some matches, the dirty, you know, good shot for the Dirty White Boy. And everybody's like, what? Dirty White Boy? <laughs> Dude, I got flagged from Instagram for that, for hate speech. Really? Yes. But then well, I sent I him a video. Him. I sent him a video of Foreigner, the song Dirty White Boy. And I said, apologize. Yeah. Apologize. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Man. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I call him that, but I never even heard the song. So that's just what I call him. <laughs> He's dirty, dude. It's, 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 it's such a perfect song for him if people could just lighten up, dude. So do you, you have a guitar with you and I know you're into music. Do you take songs and do you like make your own rendition of the songs? Sometimes? I do. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I also like, I write a couple songs too. I've written yeah like just i don't know write out thoughts on an airplane and then try and put it because because I, I could picture you doing like a chris allen version of like heartless or like kanye west or whatever mm -hmm. with the guitar i remember chris american idol chris allen did this oh my god it's like you run and tell your friends that you're leaving me you say that you don't see what you see in me wait a couple months and you're gonna see you're never gonna find no better than me i was like oh, oh yes so I might ask you to play a song at the end. <laughs> I bought I this keyboard because I, I want to do this rendition of Fame. I bought the keyboard because I want to do what? kind of this keyboard, the song Fame. Uh, uh, you, you ever heard of the movie Fame? Remember my name, Fame? Yes. So I want to do like a kind of a power ballad. You know, take a look at me and tell me what you see. You ain't seen the best of me yet. Give me time, I'll make you forget the rest. <laughs> hope this Dude, mic, not, hope this mic does great. me some I'm justice. I'm not familiar with the song, but no. like, it sounds great. So <laughs> you Google search it later. It's, you, you'll be oh, like, oh, oh, that song, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's 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 up next for you two guys? What's 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 the near future look like for you two guys? What are you guys up to next? What's your next project? Well, I know Mark's got to head back to work in a, in a few minutes, but uh, <laughs> as far as for me, um, I'm going down to Florida and going to play a couple with Skylar Lilithorpe, the guy I just played yeah. Grass Nationals with. I'm going to play some beach tournaments. Is that the Clearwater uh, one? Is that the Clearwater one? Yes. Okay. I believe so. There's, okay. there's two in November and then there's one in December. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's not too far away from here. And then I'm also this winter going to be training in Florida uh, on the East Coast. Yeah. So um, it just gets a little too cold up here in Charlotte. And there's just more guys that play on the regular down there. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to get some more reps. Got a place to live. Kevin Knight's going to be moving there, too. Um, so That's we're gonna right. He's got a job. Out there, right? and, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun, like just getting a lot of good reps all the time. And, um, God, I wanted yeah, that. Changing up. Manhattan Beach, I wanted that for him, man. I forgot yeah. who he lost to in the play-in, but he was he was two zero and everybody like it was a normal day. And when you see that, when we see that version, for the people that don't know, for the people you know in the Midwest who never heard a night, and for the people on the West Coast who are like just into themselves, this dude, um, when he's on, when Kevin Knight is on. Wow, and the top players know he is because if you remember yeah. that tournament at Myrtle Beach, who did he play with, Jerko? Did he play with Jerko? Remember he, he made the finals. He lost ago. to Trevor, uh, Trevor Crab, and Adam Roberts. Yeah, that was one of the be better, best versions I've I've seen. I got I got yeah. I got a chance to see. But um, Mark Mark has been telling me about all of these good players, man, and I'm like, dude, it's for real, man. And 
God, it's such an honor to have you guys on the podcast because 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 guys like you make this possible. Um, I am a bi-coastal guy, you know, and now thanks to guys like you, that's uh, the most viewed podcast in the sport, in the sport of beach volleyball and outdoor volleyball. You know, right now I'm averaging on, you know, I don't know what it is, but the numbers say for, for the sport of volleyball, it's kind of sick. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, we, you, you got to go to work? Ha, I'm in the middle of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Friday's a little lighter. I went in early today. You got okay. some bunch of stuff, but I, I went to the office today, even though this is my work from home day. Okay. But um, I took a break. He, he asked me earlier. Yeah, I was um, like, you got you to gotta come on to the pod, surprise him. Yes. Yeah. Pleasant um, surprise. I, he's the dude's a mensch, man. I light up, and you know he he's heard the term before. He's a, the dude's yeah. a mensch, like Mike, like Mike Salik. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what the future for me is in the in the short term in terms of playing. I don't have anything scheduled, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to playing a little bit next year, and then you know even shifting, even shifting to maybe um, coaching some of these guys in terms of at, at events, whether I go to. Um, and 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 it's great that I can even go to an event now, a, a tour series or even a pro series, and and probably sit in the box with ninety percent of these teams. Yep. Um, just yeah. from the relationships I've built, and I wouldn't say that's just on the court building those relationships, but like building those relationships off the court. Yeah. And, well, building uh, those relationships are important because. Right. Men, men, particularly male players, the one thing they don't want to do unless you have star power and if they know you is give up control. (laughs) Okay. I was coaching Jeff Samuels. He's the biggest control freak uh, probably in the sport of beach volleyball. But because we know each other, we actually did some good things. And honestly, I I don't know. It was more disappointing that we fell short against Case Bear and Allen. You know, we had a great game plan. I want to show you a pull chart later I have on my phone, uh, which which, um, as volleyball players, actually, I want to show you now. Sorry, Mark, finish your thought, though. I want to oh, and I would say a lot, and, and I think my approach, if I went into that, wouldn't be so much of, hey, let's dial up the, um, you know, let me tell you what you're doing wrong, because I think a lot of players know what they're doing wrong, yeah. but maybe more of just inspiring them to play, first off, play better, and then the things I see in the holes in the other team that they may not see, and then how do we capitalize on that? Right. Um, just a different approach. And maybe just having that third person in the box that's riding with you yeah. in this situation you're in. Dude, fresh I feel eyes. Like some, from the outside looking in, a lot of the coaching going on now is, hey, not, not necessarily let me show up for a paycheck, but more of let me tell you the X's and O's and what you're doing wrong and not riding this journey with the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be Look, fresh, dude, fresh eyes is the main right. reason why people even have people in a box. Right. I mean, Jason Lockheed, is going to have more experience than Nick Lucent in film? Probably no, no, right. but he's, but, he, but the uh, IQ yeah. qualifies as high enough. Right. Uh, um, what's his name? Jose Loyola. I mean, I don't mean to be, be disrespectful, but I never really consider him a real coach as much as I consider him a winner, like someone that just, he has a winner's mentality. Um, and that translated well to coaching. And right now they got Leandro, who's a, that's my coach idea. Yeah. Yeah. That dude's a savage and I know him very well. Um, and all those Brazilian guys came in together, but fresh eyes is important, man. Fresh eyes is a real thing, man. It's, and it's the reason why Eric Baranek, right. Was able to be with, um, Julius goals and like Yarango. Yeah. That was Yarango's first one, Atlanta. Right. And we were all happy for her. We're long timers, Mark. So, you know, the journey of, of her reaching up to try to grab that brass ring so many times and it slipped through her fingers. And, and now we don't have to call this girl silver medalist, second best runner up. Congratulations to her. Right. 
So, but I wanted to show you something, Nolan. We had a video room against Case Beer and whatever. This is the reason why we, we decided to serve Case Beer. We knew, one of my 13-year-olds came up to me and said that Case Beer had a, has a mathematical pattern. And I was like, math? This is math. This is volleyball, right? She says, no, every fourth shot. He goes high line or power line. Cut, 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 cross, cross line, cross, cross, cross line. Every fourth shot. And then I get a text from Vaughn, Chris Vaughn. Yeah, he says 75% of the, the time this guy goes cross court. And I said, you say 75%? So me and Jeff were in a video room and we argue about something. He's like, hold on, too fast, too much information. I'm like, just listen, dude. So we played it up like that way, right? And um, I want to show you the pull chart because I did a pull chart. Um, I, um, I didn't start doing this until I was at LMU with John Mayer, but I'm going to zoom in on this pull chart um like that sorry let me show you camera four and look at this look at this look at this 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 stuff look at that this is jeremy this is um serve receive look at it it's so anything that's loop that's looped that's curved is a shot anything that's straight straight arrows is power and I, cross 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 line cross 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 line this is his um, transition. He likes to transition, goes out of the middle, and then, you know, waits for his call and this and that, transition digs from pulls or whatever. He'll lean more towards the middle, but everything. He receives serve over here, goes to the pin, goes to the pin, goes to the pin. And that's why we decided to serve him. This is why we didn't serve Billy Allen. Cool. Yeah. That's sick. That's do you think that's that's that's, that's, that's ridiculous. You see, that's dude. That's a bag of uh, guys with white lab coats, man. You do not want to be in that guy's head. Go ahead, Mark. Do you think that's two reasons for that? Do you think that's because Jeremy falls in love with the come in wrist away? Yeah, you see him do so many times in in, in uh, warmups. Or do you think, and maybe two, mm -hmm. is it predetermined in his head before he even goes up? This is the shot I feel most comfortable with. I mean, I'll do the shot no matter what. It's already like predetermined before he even Abs goes up. Absolutely. It's something that he did at UCLA. And it's something that he, when he translated to the beach, that's given him success. And even the best players have something we call a visualization. It's like, I'm visualizing cross court. And if it's there, take it. And if it's not, now what? Split seam, this, deep corner. Now, now you're scanning from right to left. Because some, some high level players do that. Because for them, they they'd rather deviate from something that's on the court that they know is on the spot the spot that's on the court rather than in air decisions where they don't really have a, a grasp on what's below and next thing you know that ball's barely out that ball hits the top of the tape rolls back at you you know like stupid stuff like that so even the best players uh some as a reset have this visualization because even if they don't hit it they're veering away from something that's on the court if that makes any sense you as an outside yeah. hitter nolan you 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 have to co-sign not not for yourself but but as far as understanding yeah i think uh i think you also get a little bit of an itch if you hit the same shot three times and it scores you mm -hmm. know three times you start to get an itch of like maybe <laughs> one step ahead of the opponent you know like i and then as a blocker you go well i just we just let this happen three times in a row and we tried a four and he went over so now i'm not going to do a four i'm gonna do a hard two and then eventually it gets to the point where it's like, all right, we're going to run a three and try and take it away. And then boom, that's when it comes back over. Yeah. And it's like that those are, I don't know, it might be confusing, but, how, but, but I think the defense also kind of works in waves of three as well. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of notice that like you kind of do three in a row of something or you try and set something up in, in runs of three on defense. 
But how? Um, but how good are these two? And I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. How good are these two? We held them the one first ball side out of the technical timeout and only led 12-9. One first ball side out and they only trailed by three. Now, yeah. now in theory, you, that should be like 14-7 or something, you know, something, whatever. And they, they eventually won the first set 24-22. And then John, John Mayer, when we, at the technical timeout, when he, we, we, we switched sides because John Mayer was coaching him, he gave me this big smile. <laughs> like, like, I know what you're doing. And I'm like, all right, now we got to figure something else. He cracked the code. And Jeremy made the, the adjustment on OT because when you see that pattern, you tell Jeff, right hand in his face, don't get used, right? Right hand on his right shoulder in his face and left hand press. Don't get, your arm, don't get the hair off your armpit shape, press. And that's how you combat that, that cross, cross, cross line. And assuming you just want to go line block and, and occasionally four block switch or whatever. But when John saw that, he made the adjustment to inseam um, OT off of Jeff's pressed hand. OT inseam or OT uh, tweener, not sharp cross, like over the top middle. And 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 if you, I, I have it on YouTube. If you watch the video, it, it was to them it was checkers, but me and John were playing chess, and I knew. And John, John's a freaking genius. And when he when he smiled at me, I was like, all right, we have to. When they make the adjustment, we have to figure that out. But we never really cracked the code. They won the second set very easily. And if we were going to win that match, it was going to be that first set. I mean, against a team that was heavily favored to win anyway, right? Let's be real, right? right? right. So 24-22, that's too bad. That was, a, that was the only thing I was sad about. I wasn't sad that we blew a 14-12 lead to Perthbury and um, um, Jimenez, you know mm -hmm. I mean? I'm just sad that if it's 14-12, and you guys are volleyball players, if it's 14-12 and they get the side out, and if you have a timeout, that's automatic. That's, that's volleyball 101. You know, what I didn't know is I'm allowed to tell my players to tell the ref to call. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, that rule's three years old. And I'm like, so no, you made the rule during COVID. <laughs> I wouldn't know. What? How the hell was I supposed to know that? <laughs> I had to look that up this year because there was a coach like yelling stuff in the middle of the game. Yeah. I was a spectator and I was watching and I was like, yeah. or it wasn't in the middle of the game. It was mm -hmm. in between serves. And I'm a big rule guy. Like I love you know, making sure that like just everything surrounding it's going right and stuff, but just, yeah. you know, all that. And he was just like talking, chirping in between points. And I was like, is that even allowed? So I had to like look it up on the spot and I ended up realizing that, no, you are allowed to say things in the middle of point, like in between serves. Yeah. Yeah. I was, that was, that was kind of a bug out. <laughs> all right. So I guess you got, you got somewhere to go. You, you have a hard stop. You guys have a hard yeah, stop somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. I got to get this this bush chopped. I'm not going to show you what's under this hat, but it is the biggest uh, Jufro you've ever seen. Guys, before you go, I want you to look up, you know, Mike Salek, right? Uh, um, I do. Yeah. Mark, um, and I only brought him up because he's been at the Pottstown Rumble. He made the finals once with Seydoux, Seydoux Ajanako, and then finished second and third, uh, which is why I wanted to congratulate you because there's so many players that, that really wanted that first, right? <laughs> and when you think about it, beach player-wise, only Phil, right? Uh, um, 2004, right? He's he's the only one that did that. So, and Adam um, Roberts, yeah. Oh, Adams, Adams, all purpose. Adams, an international man of mystery. He, Adam, Adam Roberts, I could bring yeah. to Harlem, uh, a Riverbank State Park, and play against the Dominicans, and Adam will play middle, no problem. That's just who he was, and that's how he was. That's you can't say that about Phil. You can't say that about the other guys. Adam is, yeah. Adam is a, a international man of mystery. I'm not gonna say Mench because the Mench is on your right. Um, <laughs> But I want you to look up Mike Salek because he was on New York, the New York, the New Yorker, where he's coaching his high school, and they were 
found they found a way to like segregate the team like half the team they made two teams where like one team was like mostly white and the other team was like like players of color and in this day and age, I don't even know how they got away with that. But when Mike was took, taken over at John Jay High School, he picked it up and he basically integrated both both of the teams and they made the PSL finals and they lost. But but um, Mike is doing some really, really good things and it made national news. I want you guys, you guys get a chance to search that later. But I wanted to mention that a lot on the podcast because I'm basically just shouting him out for us because um, it, it was the, the work he's doing is important, and I and I wanted to shout it out to you guys because as far as relating to to that kind of work and just making volleyball a better sport, something you guys need to hear about and share that news. Okay, cool. Yeah. Someone wants to know more about Nolan Albright. Uh, who wants to know? More? I do. I love learning more. Yeah, man. So where do they look? Where do they look? <laughs> where do they look for you? Where can they find you? I want to be down. How can I be down with Nolan? How can I be hey, down so with Fornacchiotti? <laughs> let's get down <laughs> i'm not i'm not in the the young uh social media no. i'm usually if i'm on social media it's i'm tagged in his story yes. or something and it's always volleyball you're about that action all right and we, res <laughs> we do we respect that go ahead yeah so you can find me on instagram at nolan albrecht seven is how it's spelled i pronounced my last name albright but uh -huh. at nolan albrecht seven um gonna probably get a tiktok at some point feels weird being 30 to have a TikTok, but you know, that's where the people are and that's where I'm going to be. Um, and then, yeah, just hit me up on there, follow me and uh, mm -hmm. give a like and a comment. I don't know. I don't know what you say. Come on. That. Kanye West has got a TikTok. How old is he? Right. Puffed. Sean Combs got a TikTok. He's, 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 he's the same age as me. Okay. And you, yeah, well, my friend, well, do not look 30. I'm, I'm carding well, you at well, the bar every guys. time. Mm -hmm. While those two guys are my biggest role models and people I want to really just like follow, I just it's just a personal thing, I guess. Cool. Barack Obama's got one. <laughs> oh man. And that other guy that says, You're fake news. <laughs> that that guy's got one. Is he still out on social media? I don't know. I, I wonder if they did like a universal takedown, the same thing they did with Andrew Tate. They, it's definitely a conspiracy when like all of them get together and you're like all off every platform at the same time now i understand like instagram and facebook i understand that's meta but like the other platforms there has to be some kind of conspiring to get together for all of them to decide to do it the same day it's you know some crazy stuff but you ain't got nothing to worry about and we and we ain't gonna ask you to play guitar today man i, I ain't putting you on the spot like that yeah you can check it out on my instagram i got a couple videos on there yes you got some guitar stuff yeah good man because I'm honestly, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of both of you guys. Mad respect to you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, these guys might love you, but I don't love you. All right. In fact, I'm out of here. In fact, I, ha I can't stand any of you guys. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your your desktop who runs the world, old school, baby, old school for my man, Nolan Albright. Okay, I finally said it right at the end. And for the, the mensch, Mark Fornicari, I'm Jason DeBiss. We're going to hit my music. Stay with me after this. And we are... Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.